was Rich Motter praying. Those of you that are watching this live stream, there wasn't 10 minutes of dead time. You just missed out the blessing, not praying, praying with the rest of us, but I trust that you heard those prayer requests, most of them, and you will remember those in your prayers tonight. Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're not going to look at a lot of verses. Actually, we're just going to focus on one in particular. But before we do that, I just want to encourage you, if you don't have the habit of reading your daily bread, to have some kind of habit with some devotional, because it only takes a few minutes. But if you've noticed in the daily breads that you have, on the very back page, there's a topic index. And it tells you all the different subjects that are covered in the course of the month. And so when I was searching for material for tonight's message, the Lord impressed upon my heart its prayer meeting. It'd be good to have a prayer lesson. And so I went to this topic index in the uh, Daily Bread, and I looked up prayer. And sure enough, there's several. There's about a half a dozen uh, devotionals dedicated to just prayer. If you're interested, there's the most articles dedicated to God's love. But prayer does have a good number of them. And a couple of them in particular I found quite interesting. The first one that I found interesting, I'll give you a sneak preview. If you bump way up to September 2nd, it's okay to peek and look ahead if you want. But uh, I was looking at this devotional on prayer. Now, when I was stationed overseas in Europe, I had a chance to do some R&R in London. And while in London, as an unbeliever, I was able to to tour St. Paul's Cathedral. And when I went to this devotional, it starts out with a story about St. Paul's Cathedral. In the towering dome of London's St. Paul's Cathedral, visitors can climb 259 steps to to access the Whispering Gallery. There you can whisper and be heard by another person anywhere along the circular walkway, even across the enormous abyss, which is nearly 100 feet away. Engineers explain this anomaly as a result of the spherical shape of the dome and the low-intensity sound waves of a whisper. And then the article goes on and says how God hears our agonizing whispers. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about that for the last couple days. And how many times when I pray do I kind of whisper a prayer? You know, I'm in the car by myself or I'm out in the yard by myself and say, Lord, you know, I need this or Lord... Watch over that family from Iowa. And I find myself actually whispering quite a few prayers. And it's encouraging to know that the Lord hears those. The Lord has a whispering gallery in the dome of heavens above the earth. God God bends to our deepest murmurs and even the whispers. And he listens. And then they always throw in a little prayer here at the end of it says, Dear God, give me courage to whisper to you today, trusting you to hear and respond. Now, I'm not going to read all the little segments on prayer, but there's two of them that I found interesting. The other one is, if you read this in advance when you go home, July 7th, that'll be next month. This lady talks about watching a robin build a nest (coughs) in front of her uh, kitchen on the patio. Uh, She says, each morning I would check, as the robin would check on the progress uh, of her building and her eggs. But each morning there was nothing. It turns out that robin eggs take two weeks to hatch. How many of you knew that before? 
I didn't know that robin eggs took two weeks. I just figured they had the eggs, and then the next thing you know, they had little baby robins. But uh, two weeks, that's quite an incubation period, I think. But anyway, the article goes on to say how prayers are like eggs. They don't hatch as soon as we lay them. And I thought that was an interesting quote, because a lot of times when we pray, we'd like to see the answer right away. And the Lord says, nah, that's not the case. Sometimes he says, I'll answer that prayer later. And so we have to learn patience and wait. And then they give the illustration of <coughs> Habakkuk wrestled with waiting in prayer. And he, uh, he prayed for God's people. And the Lord told him to wait for an appointed time. You can read all this in the book of Habakkuk if you'd like. But it's interesting. God doesn't mention what God doesn't mention in that prayer is the appointed time when Babylon falls is six decades away. Now, if you do the math, that's six decades, that's 60 years that Habakkuk waited for the Lord to answer that prayer, uh, creating a long gap. The six decades created a long gap between the promise and the fulfillment. And like eggs, Prayers often don't hatch immediately, but rather they incubate in God's overarching purposes for our world and for our lives. And then the little prayer at the end of the day is, Dear God, help me to trust you to work while I'm waiting. Now, I don't know if the Lord answers a third of our prayers with patience. A third of them he says yes, and a third of them he says no, and another third he says wait. I'm not sure if we can divide it up like that. But it's interesting to me that there's a good number of times when he says, I'll answer that prayer, but it's going to be later. It's not going to be immediate, and you're going to have to wait. Hopefully I won't have to wait six decades, but uh, sometimes he tells us to wait on him, and so we wait for that. On your papers there, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8, just this one verse that Paul here is teaching Timothy about. Paul says, I will, and he's hoping that Timothy will pick up on that. Paul says to Timothy, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, and it's implied without doubting. So that's my challenge for tonight. Under the word where it says title, praying anywhere, at any time, for anything. That's our prayer lesson. Praying anywhere, at any time, for anything. Now, I've got a quiz question there. If this were a Sunday school class, I'd have some input. But since we're live streaming, I won't get your input. But I've often wondered when I was first saved, if it was scriptural to pray in public, you know, I, you know, the uh, sometimes the scribes and the Pharisees were ridiculed for praying and just so that men would hear their prayers. And so I, I, I did a lot of study and I found out that it is okay to pray in public. There's a lot of lost people and there's a lot of there's a lot of people out in the arena of the Brookings era area that need to know that we're not ashamed of praying. And then I thought. When I do get an opportunity to pray in public at a chamber meeting or at a fire station 
or at a hospital or at a, at a, uh, a situation where I'm in public and, and the people have asked me to lead in prayer, should I pray short or should I pray long or should I have a medium kind of a prayer? There really is no limit, put it that way. I think it's a matter of timing. Phillips has an interesting quote, and I think it's very worthwhile to read at this time, and he says this, to get God's word into our heads only involves a learning process, but to get God's word into our hearts, that is a much more difficult task. It involves a love process. God always goes after the heart. When the mind is engaged in an issue, the motive is, I ought to. When the will is engaged in an issue, the motive is, I have to. But when the heart is engaged in an issue, the motive is, I want to. That, that's where we want to go tonight, is we want to develop the want to and the desire in each of us to pray anywhere, at any time, for anything. We should have a desire to do that, a want to, because the heart is engaged. We must engage our hearts in the issue of our relationship to God's word and prayer. Then we will not only hear it, but we will also heed it. The Lord will not only hear our prayer, but he may decide to answer in the positive and say, yes, I'm going to give that answer right now. The heart needs to be involved in that so critically important. And that leads us to our first point. As you look at that verse in 2 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, you'll see the word will, I will, and what we need is a willingness. Praying everywhere takes a willingness. Whosoever will may come and be saved. The willingness is essential. Many times we try to talk young people into getting saved like we would sell them a vacuum cleaner or a car. And the heart is left out of the issue altogether. There must be a time when a parent or a pastor understands that the heart is engaged and the recipient of the gospel has a willingness to hear it and has a readiness to accept it. So a strong desire, letter A, is very important. When you pray, we ought to have the desire to talk to God and for him to talk to us. I remember when our kids were little and we'd get a phone call from grandma or grandpa our little kids, they were lined up like three little ducklings, you know, four years old, six years old. And as soon as they knew that Grandpa was on the other end of the line, they said, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we say hi to Grandpa? Can we say hi to Grandpa? There was a strong desire to communicate with their grandfather. And that should be in us as well. We should have a strong desire to talk to the Lord, praying anywhere anytime, about anything. That should be foremost in our heart and life, that desire to ask him what to do. You know, it's interesting when young couples get married, newlyweds get married at the altar, 
The question is, do you take this man or do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded husband or wife? And how do they answer? They answer, I will or I do. And they always, these young couples always have a desire to become a part of the other one's life. The desire is really strong. That's what we need to have when we pray. We need to have a willing heart that has a strong desire. And then secondly, it should have a steady determination. A steady determination. We should be determined to have a willingness to pray and we should work at it. You know, as a pastor on during Sunday school and sometimes church, and I look around and I say, who should I have open in prayer? Hopefully I can communicate with the men in the church so I know which ones are willing. Because there are times when people are not willing. Now, it's not that they have a bad attitude. It's just that sometimes they've never prayed in public. And so it's a matter of not knowing how and not feeling comfortable. So they want to wait a little bit in their Christian growth before they pray but it's important as a layman if I were a layman in the church it's important for me to tell the pastor look I'll be there you can count on me if you need me to pray if you need me to pray don't be shy I'm ready it's important that we communicate with others and we have a determination to get involved in the prayer lives of those in our family first and then those in our church second and then those in the community amazed how effective a soul winner you can become if you just offer to pray with or for your lost neighbor your lost co-worker or your lost friend they they have learned enough in their church and in their Sunday school to fold their hands to bow their heads and to listen while you pray do you have a strong desire to pray and do you have a determination to let others know that you're not ashamed of the gospel and you're not ashamed to call upon your Heavenly Father for help. Pastors are always looking for men and women willing to pray. Last, I don't know what day it was last week. Do you remember Lynn? Uh, Lynn was in Walmart doing her thing, running around and getting clicks and talking to people, and I don't know whether she purchased anything, but as I was outside of Walmart waiting, I, this lady came up to my car window and she kind of put her hand on my elbow because I was leaning out the window and she kind of surprised me. She said, hey, she said, how are you doing today? And I thought to myself, she knows me, but I'm not sure I know her. And so I said, well, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And she said, well, I'm having a good day and I'm going out to Denver next week to be with my kids. And I said, oh, I said, maybe we'll tag along. Our daughter's out there having a baby. And then she said, what's your daughter's name? And I said, Rachel middle of the parking lot she says can I pray for your daughter and I immediately looked around to see if Pastor Yoder was there I couldn't find him so I said what's wrong with having a lady pray for me for my little baby that's to be born in Denver so I said sure you can pray for me if you'd like right out in front of Walmart right out in front of all those flowers and those sacks of fertilizer she bows her head and she prays for me and our daughter, that the baby would be well and the delivery would go smooth. She was not ashamed to pray with somebody she barely even knew, and, and I barely even knew her. Uh, I could give you lots of illustrations, but I do have a pastor friend, Brother Gary Moore from Iowa, 
And every time I have a funeral to have a part in, I always call Pastor Moore because he has a desire to pray for me because of our friendship, and he has a determination to lift up my needs before the Lord. And so I always say, Pastor Moore, will you, will you pray for me? I have a funeral today at 11, and I'm not sure how things are going to work out. And he is more than happy and more than delighted to pray. And that's the kind of testimony that I would like to have, and I hope it's the kind of testimony that you wouldn't mind having as well. A testimony that says, I like praying, I'm not ashamed to pray, I have a desire to pray, and if you let me help you, I'd be determined to try to pump out a good prayer. So have a willingness. If you don't have one, pray for it and ask God to give you a willingness. Point number two, praying everywhere also takes work. Look at the next part of the verse. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. That's the work. Letter A, lifting is much harder work than pushing. Lifting is a labor of love. Now, uh, if I were to use this altar on the front, and let's say that, let's say that Jeremy fainted and collapsed on the floor, would it be more difficult for me to pick him up and put him on the altar? Or would it be easier for me to have Corey put him on the altar and then I'll push him off? Which would be easier? Well, certainly it's much easier to push somebody and drive them and legalistically expect them to behave or expect them to do something. It's a little more difficult to be a lifter, to be an encourager, to be an exhorter. And that takes a little extra work and a little extra effort and a little extra training on our part. Lifting is not always easy, but it's an important ministry. Lifting up holy hands. And I don't think this is a, just a charismatic phrase where you have to go like this. I think it's the idea that you're using your energies to lift up others in hopes that they will lift up the Lord in prayer and you will do the same thing. So, so lifting is, is work, and prayer in public especially takes practice. That prayer in private is easy because it's just you and God. But as you get into larger and larger groups, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking sometimes because you don't want to say the wrong thing or pronounce a name wrong. Always when you pray, you want to be a source of joy and a source of hope and, and a source of help. Today, when we met with the intermills, we, we had a word of prayer before we left their home. And uh, the hour we spent there was pretty much just small talk. But at the end of praying, you know, Dick said, thank you very much for, for praying for us. And that tells me that he was encouraged by that little word of encouragement. So lifting up is, is important. Lift up holy hands, clean lives, and, and lift up the Lord, and lift up others, and encourage them. And then let her be living, living holy lives is much harder than going with the flow. Lifting up holy hands carries with it the idea that you have been living a holy life, and to live a holy life takes some disciplines. Without those disciplines, we will never be a good disciple. And without being a good disciple, we'll never have that close, growing relationship with the Lord that we, we love to have. 
Now, for the illustration there, not only are pastors looking for men and women willing to pray, but secondly, they're always discipling others in the basics of the Christian life. That's what Bible stands for, basic instructions before leaving earth, the basics. What I like to do with a baby Christian is I like to tell them, look, I know you're not comfortable in our church because you haven't been in our kind of church before, but if you will give one minute a day and read your Bible and one minute a day pray, ask God to, to uh, help you, and then one minute a day talking to somebody about Jesus, you can begin your life of growth and discipleship. And then after they've been saved a few months, I said, hey, why don't you bump up the one minute to five minutes? Why don't you spend five minutes every day reading God's word, that's God talking to you, and then why don't you pray for five minutes, that's you talking to God, and then why don't you go out in the streets and the highways and the hedges and talk to somebody about Jesus for five minutes. And then after they've grown from one minute to five minutes, then I challenge them with 15 minutes. 15 minutes of Bible reading, 15 minutes of prayer, and 15 minutes of sharing with others. And then I said, if you'd like to be a pastor one day, you better get used to it. 60 minutes of Bible reading, 60 minutes of prayer, and 60 minutes sharing the love of Jesus with a lost and dying soul. And I said, it's amazing how the Lord will work in your life if you'll just discipline yourself in a willing fashion to do that. Just purpose to do it. Watch God help you, because he wants us to grow more than we want to grow ourselves. So accept the challenge and get with it, okay? Uh, <coughs> listen, pray, and witness. Listen to Jesus as he talks to us through the word. Pray for yourself and the needs that you have so you can witness, and then get out there and start talking to others about Jesus. The third one here, <coughs> Roman number one, praying everywhere takes willingness. Two, praying everywhere takes work. And third, praying everywhere is done without wrath. In other words, we shouldn't be praying in anger. Now, sometimes we do, but we shouldn't be. The last part of verse eight, without wrath and doubting. In other words, there shouldn't be a lot of doubts and second-guessing going on in our mind, and we certainly should not be angry with God. You say, well, pastor, sometimes I get angry with God. Well, God can handle your anger, anger, but it's not the better part of wisdom to be anger and short with God. <laughs> because uh, what you're doing is you're disrespecting him, and you're not showing love, and you're not showing courtesy. What you need to do is you need to Pray without any anger or wrath in your life. Letter A, praying temperament, that's our, the way we pray. Our praying temperament needs to be one of control and courage. Now, when I'm disappointed because something has happened of a critical nature in my life, I usually start by praying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm... I'm not mad at you, God, but I'm mad. I don't like the way this is going. God can handle that. He understands our frustrations and our difficulties. But let's not blame God for something the devil maybe has done. Or let's not blame God for something maybe our selfishness has accomplished. Let's approach God without wrath and without anger. So we need to have a praying temperament of control and a praying temperament of courage. We need to come to the Lord boldly.
and with courage. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and you own the silver and the gold in the hills. Yesterday I got a call from a medical facility from two years ago. They said, ah, Mr. Forsberg, we finally found you. You owe us seven, several hundred dollars. Well, we haven't heard from them in two years, so we weren't even sure they wanted to see us, but they found us. So after the phone call, I said, okay, Lord, it's your money, and uh, I believe we owe this bill for something that happened several years ago out in Colorado, but if you want us to pay it, we'll pay it. We'll live with uh, having that much less money, but you're in charge. The money that I have is yours, they don't get it, somebody else will. So we're gonna do our part and try to maintain our testimony and we're gonna ask God for the courage to do the hard right thing. And uh, that's what I wanna do when I pray. I wanna pray in control of my tongue so I don't pray foolishly. And then I wanna pray with courage and boldness. Paul said in the, at the end of the armor of God passage, he said, pray for me that I may speak boldly. Now, I don't think he was just talking about talking to others boldly. I think he was also talking about his relationship with our Heavenly Father, that he would pray with courage and pray with control. That's the kind of temperament we want to develop. And then letter B, we want a temperament of confidence and certainty. A temperament of confidence and certainty. Now, when I was first saved, I was a big fan of self-confidence. But my pastor was quick to correct me. He said, Mr. Forsberg, you don't need self-confidence. You need God-confidence. You need to know that God's in charge. He will give you the words. He will give you the way. He will give you the wisdom. You need to have great confidence in God to accomplish great things. It's not, it's not my confidence. It's God-confidence. And that's what kind of temperament I want to have when I pray. I want to approach, I want to approach the Lord, the throne of grace, confidently. God, you're up there. I know you love me. I know you can help me with this. And pray with confidence. And pray with certainty. Lord, you're going to take care of that. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. You're going to tell me what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. You're going to answer my prayers because I'm praying anywhere and anytime and about anything. You'll help me and just rest in that. I have trust that he will help us out. So pastors are looking for men and women willing to pray. Pastors are always discipling people in the basics. And then pastors are always looking for those with a praying personality. Praying with others, John Phillips says this and I think it's very good. Praying with others should be inclusive not exclusive. When you pray with other people, you should, you should get your mind right in there and pray with them inclusively, not exclusively. By that I mean, let's say you're in a prayer group of five people, and while the other four are praying, you're not praying with them, you're trying to think of what you're going to say. Instead of listening and praying with them, you're worried that when your turn comes, you're not going to say the right things. Pray with them. Pray inclusively. Amen? Now when you said amen, you were being included. You get that? That was a little play on words there. 
Preachers love it. You know, I, I like to have people say amen when I'm preaching. But more importantly, I like to hear an amen when I'm praying. Because that means that that person is identifying with the prayer request that I have for the rest of the church. And these are things that I haven't mastered. I'm still a rookie. I'm still learning. But these are things I find very, very important. that I learned to pray uh, right and I learned to pray better. So there's my lesson for tonight. The Roman numeral one is the word willingness with a strong desire and a strong determination. Roman numeral two is praying everywhere it takes work. That means lifting up others and living a holy life. And Roman numeral three, praying everywhere is done without wrath. We don't need to be short-tempered and angry with God, but we need to be praying with control and courage, letter A, and we need to be praying with confidence and certainty. And our prayers need to include others, not exclude them. We need to include others. In conclusion, down there on the bottom, let us learn how to pray inward. That's for ourselves. Lord, help me. Hear me speedily, the psalmist says. It's amazing to study the prayers of David, how often he would cry out to God and say, Lord, I need your help. That's inward praying. Praying for yourself with a pure hand and pure heart. And secondly, is outward. Lord, I got to talk to my neighbor today, and I'm I'm not so sure he's going to listen. That's an outward prayer. You're starting to pray for those around you as you reach out and then upward. So we have inward, outward, and upward, and I'm sure Pastor has given this to you before. And when we learn to pray with an inward concern for our own life and an outward for reaching others and an upward prayer that glorifies God, and then we've learned how to pray a little better. And I'm really convinced that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in these areas. And I'm really convinced that if you have a willing heart to learn, that God is more than happy to bring you along so that you can grow in this area of prayer. So that's my challenge for tonight. It's a little bit early, but let's stand and be dismissed in prayer.